Brick Moon Fiction presents Quitters.com by Josh Trapani. Narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle. So engrossed is James Ramsey in his phone that he doesn't notice the bulky, angry man hovering over his seat. James toggles between Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, and the chaser, his elbows embedded in his puffy love handles so as not to jab the lady sitting next to him on the train. As always, the workday was long, the metro is stifling, and the network in the tunnels sucks. James considers texting Allie. He has no idea what they'll scrounge up for dinner, probably Chinese again. After the inevitable heart attack, he predicts the doctors will discover pieces of General Sao's chicken lodged in his aorta. Worst of all, the Chinese place is next to the gym. His guilt never ends. In his self-absorption, James pays no mind to the meaty hand clenching the bar in front of him. The agitated breathing, audible above the noise of the train, doesn't register at all. Only when the gruff voice barks, What's so good on there anyway, buddy? Does James take note? Is someone talking to James? In public? The man, though wearing a suit like many commuters, is more imposing. His pupils are so huge, his eyes appear black. They dominate his annoyed expression. He's built like a bulldog, stocky with snub nose, and gives off a mobsterish vibe, like some ugly cousin of Tony Soprano. He could crush James. James has no idea what's provoked this hostility. Most of the other passengers are in the same pose, eyes on phones, thumbs working. Despite his fear, he endeavors to play it cool. Nothing, he responds, and turns his gaze back to his phone. Attempting to steady his grip, he stares unseeing at the screen, the online world suddenly much less interesting. How odd. Wasn't disengaging what he'd posted about on the chaser? After all, what was he so feverishly scanning before the man distracted him? Today, the online world was up in arms because some pop star everyone referred to by first name tweeted something vile. James had no idea who this person was. Couldn't think of a single song. Some comedian whose show James never watched said something nasty about an actress whose movies he'd never seen. And an award-winning author with one set of demographics evidently failed to be gracious enough when another author with a different set asked him a question during a panel discussion. Then, from banal to surreal, the President of the United States got involved, and navel-gazing, self-indulgent pop culture items became of national importance. Everyone thumped their virtual chests and used this nonsense to reassert their tribal identities. Yesterday, the dynamic, though dominated by different items, was the same. Tomorrow it would repeat with new ones. Everyone would chime in, with hierarchies enforced through the retweet and the share. In theory, this meant meritocracy, pure marketplace of ideas. Anyone could become a global celebrity with the right turn of phrase. In practice, constant attention-seeking meant a race to the bottom. The most inflammatory and poisonous comments spread like wildfire until they were one-upped by those even more outrageous. Everyone focused on the dumb, the meaningless, the lowest common denominator, including James, vigorously thumbing through in a continuous state of tension. He doesn't care about any of this shit, but like everyone else, he just can't look away. His frustration boiled over the previous night in his comment on the chaser, but here he is, back at it today like his words meant nothing. The man's stare bores into the top of James's head. Only three more stops. James closes his eyes. The momentary break in stimuli calms him. Two more. Next stop. Excuse me, James ventures as the train comes to a halt. The man moves his beefy arm to let James pass, but says, What do you know? My stop too.
and follows. Once on the platform, James strides toward the bus stop, glancing nervously behind him. In the crowd, the man disappears. Satisfied, James pulls out his phone to check the chaser again. His rant the night before was epic. James hadn't set out to produce such a thing. He'd intended to spend only a few minutes writing a pithy takedown of some idiot. Two hours and several thousand words later, chest heaving and nostrils flaring, he clicked post. He scrolled and scrolled and scrolled, back up through his comment. His remorse was immediate. The Chevy Chase Chaser was an online community magazine covering restaurant openings, county council meetings, and the like. He'd spilled his manifesto on the comment thread of a piece about a planned local light rail system. Well, it was going to come out somewhere. He'd wasted no one's time but his own, and he was anonymous. He reread the comment. Though rambling and heated, it was spot on. He bemoaned the supercharged hyperbolic language of internet discourse, comparing it to a raucous soccer stadium, a space where everyone congregated, but with the dangerous unpredictability that accompanied large crowds. Or more apt, the stadium bathrooms, where everyone went to piss and shit. There was no room for nuance. Everyone was required to possess and share instant and vehement opinions about everything. God forbid anyone took a moment to think, saw both sides, changed their mind, or just decided for once that their voice didn't need to be heard. His tirade concluded, I want out. Since posting the night before, he had, in subversion of both his message and best interests, obsessively checked the thread for replies. One commenter accused him of being a cucktard hillbot soy boy, whatever that might be. Uh, like so much tribalism, pockets of the internet were full of insider jargon. Another snapped, I bet you're a cisgendered white male, as though his demographics were either relevant or a badge of shame. He'd also earned a few take-your-pills-bro cast-asides. Everyone else simply disregarded him. The online truism that being attacked felt less awful than being ignored applied to James, too. But had he truly believed his remarks would snap people out of their trollishness, deliberate baiting, and obtuseness? He swears, during the bus ride home, not to look at the thread anymore. Three minutes later, he checks it again. Hopping off the bus a block from home, James wants nothing more than his artery-clogging general sows and more quality time with his phone. But Allie's remarked upon his distraction and inattention more and more. At minimum, she'll want to chat about their days, said days pointedly excluding the things dominating social media. She'll ask him to play with Lucy, their three-year-old, rather than park her in front of Elmo or Daniel Tiger the way he's inclined to. Too much screen time, she says as though letting a toddler win over and over at Candyland epitomized intellectual enrichment. James is so intent on his phone that he almost walks smack into another obstacle to his preferred evening plans, the hulking guy from the train, standing on his front steps. Take the long way home, Mr. Ramsey? The guy taunts. Despite the question, James doubts that he and this terrifying man, who somehow knows his name, will bond over a shared love of Supertramp. He ponders simply running away, but he'd barely make it half a block before doubling over, winded. Also, his wife and daughter are inside the house. He opts for, Can I help you, sir? You can help me and help yourself. Put your fucking phone away. James hesitates. Maybe he should dial 911. But the man gets right in his face. With those scary eyes, the burly interloper watches as James's phone disappears into his pocket. Isn't that better? My name's Sal. I'm here on behalf of my firm, Quitters.com. 
we need to talk about breaking your internet habit. James folds his arms in front of him. I'm not interested in breaking my internet habit. Sal rubs his fist. Well, something around here is getting broken. James steps back. Don't microaggress me, bro. Sal sneers. I'm more of a macroaggressor. He wrinkles his mouth in disgust. And that terminology. What are you, a millennial? James wonders whether this is a trick question. Um, yeah? Well, I hate to trigger you, bro, but you can take your safe space and shove it up your... With effort, Sal stops mid-diatribe. We're getting off topic. Don't tell me you don't want to break your internet habit. I know about your comment. Shocked, James feigns ignorance. What comment? Do you think I'm stupid? Sal snarls. On the Chevy Chase chaser. Very well put, I might add. But that was anonymous, James protests. Anonymous on the internet, Sal mocks him. Someone stupid. James reddens. Okay, I wrote it. But what makes you think I really feel that way? You said it online, Sal informs him. These days, that's considered a window into the soul. James is speechless. Here's how it works, Sal explains. Starting right now, you're off. Cold turkey. No social media, no message boards, no comment threads. You want to read the post? Get it delivered. Despite his fear, James laughs. Is this a stunt? Are you recording? Are you planning to post my reaction? He looks around, apprehensive. Are a bunch of people going to jump out of the bushes and perform a synchronized dance routine to shake it off, like a flash mob? Sal points a stubby finger right in James's face. There's no such thing as the mob. Because I've heard of this before, James continues. This exact situation, except it was about quitting smoking. Wasn't it a movie? Or a novel? Short story, Sal clarifies. And movie. Uh, part of one. But it's been updated for our modern times. James says, There's no way I'm going along with this. Sal glares. Oh yeah you are. Because if you mess up, it's gonna get bad. Let me show you how bad. James rolls his eyes. I'm on to you. This is the part where you force me to watch a bunny get electrocuted, right? Oh no, Sal growls. We've got something far worse. An Instagram account. He pulls a phone out of his jacket pocket. Irony alert, yells James. Ignoring that, Sal hands him the phone. Check it out. James scrolls through. There are photos of Kanye West, Roseanne Barr, Donald Trump, and other celebrities, but there are also unfamiliar faces. Who's that? James asks. That moron, explains Sal, announced on his Facebook page his plan to rob an Apple store. And you see that chick? She live-streamed herself drunk driving. I shit you not. And this is that revolting college professor who trolled everyone on Barbara Bush, bragged about her salary and how she couldn't be fired, and then directed people who didn't like it to a suicide hotline. This tenured lefty single-handedly did more harm to higher education's image than all the whack-job right-wing campus speakers combined. Anyway, do you see the theme? People who did stupid stuff on the internet? James guesses. People who should have stayed off the internet altogether, Sal corrects him. Wait, is that Justin Bieber? James asks. What trouble did he get up to on the internet? 
None, Sal answers. We just don't like him. He grabs his phone back. And I suppose if I mess up, James hypothesizes, you get online and post some fake shit about me or make me look as stupid as these bozos, huh? Nope, Sal responds. We do it to your wife. First offense, ticky-tack shit. You know, a string of posts hawking essential oils, or a stream of identical selfies with every conceivable filter clogging up a friend's feeds. James is horrified, but also curious. Second offense? Heil Hitler or equivalent, says Sal. Third offense, pledging allegiance to ISIS? James speculates. No. Sal appears supremely annoyed. Third offense, instead of your wife, we do it to... He pauses for dramatic effect. Your mom. My mom? James is bewildered. My mom is 75. You can't make her Facebook account any worse. For the first time in the conversation, Sal looks flummoxed. James asks, Would it be clearer if I scrawled it in all caps on a blurry photo of a kitten? Okay then, Sal recovers. Third offense, we do it to your daughter. My daughter's three, James points out. Yup. We set up a cute little account, and under her adorable smiling profile pic, the first post is about how she thinks her best friend at daycare is a poopy head. Have you no shame? James is outraged. Sal loves it. We're serious, Mr. Ramsey. And if I keep offending? Sal shrugs. I guess eventually we chop your fingers off, but no one's gotten to that point yet. He looks disappointed. How do you enforce this? James asks. Follow me around all day? Physically? Sal snorts. No. Online. You ought to be used to it. Mark Zuckerberg, Sergey Brin, and Larry Page, Jeff Bezos, the NSA, and your local internet provider are already doing it. That you know about. He checks his watch. Okay, we're done here. I gotta stop by the pork store and take care of a thing with a guy. He winks. Then I'm meeting some of my fellow legitimate businessmen at a strip club for Gabagool and Sambuca. I feel like I should be offended by that, James remarks, even though I'm not Italian. Sal shakes his head. Millennials, he sighs. Oh, one piece of advice before I go. Yeah? Don't fuck up. He begins walking off. Now get inside. You still have time for a few rounds of Candyland before your daughter's bedtime. It's a rough night in the Ramsey house. Rough for James, at least, given his burning desire to check his phone every 30 seconds. First, he puts it in another room. Then he turns it off. But the reality keeps hitting him fresh, like grief over the death of a loved one. I can't check it, he thinks. I can't. To stop from going completely crazy, James does indeed play Candyland with Lucy. To his surprise, her skill and sophistication have vastly increased since last time. She kicks his butt. He reads her a book, then she surprises him by reading him a story she's memorized. After Lucy goes to bed, James listens to Allie recount her day. Their discussion turns from office goings-on and household logistics to the book she's reading, about how people sacrifice real conversation for so-called online connection. I'm just interested in the topic, she says, looking down, as though her choice of reading material is a personal slight. Honestly, it sounds interesting. James replies, then tentatively adds, I could stand to get back to reading books. Maybe I could borrow it after you're done? Her eyes open wide. Of course. I'm thinking, he offers, 
about cutting back the time I spend on the internet. Significantly. That's a wonderful idea, Allie says, though her expression is skeptical. What brought this on? I think my frustration has been growing. I'm constantly scattered and stressed. I keep expecting community, but people are ugly online. And it sucks away enormous amounts of time and energy. Thinking of Sal, he sets his jaw and says, Now seems like the right time. Though perhaps not entirely convinced, Allie comes around the table to embrace him. Scenes from the life of James Ramsey, the next six months. One of the VPs at AAC, James's firm, leans on him to start a Twitter account. We need to amplify our voice, the VP announces, then mutters, and our corporate account needs more followers. Are you going to pay me extra? James inquires. The VP stares at him. No one has ever asked such a thing. Do you want me to spend my time retweeting your stuff, James asks, or doing work? The VP walks away, never mentions it again. To become more focused and present, James begins a mindfulness practice. There's an app for that, a friend says. About 10,000 of them. Fuck that, James replies. I think I can sit still for 20 minutes a day without technological assistance. James is at a happy hour with colleagues, most of whom fiddle constantly with their phones. One blurts, so that gift that sticks Drake's head on Amy Schumer's body and manages to give it a hashtag MeToo bent while simultaneously supporting trans rights and reinforcing the last Beyonce song, with a subtle nod to Ashton Kutcher. Brilliant, the rest of them proclaim. Genius! Um, James says, when it's his turn to praise this bit of cat vomit he's completely missed. An enduring work of art that truly touches the core of what it means to be human. Future generations will marvel. I'm proud to live in such a cultural juggernaut. By the way, did anyone here read the in-depth expose of immigrant detention centers in the Sunday Post? I have a copy on my desk if you want to see it. Also, who's Drake? Horrified silence. Then everybody turns back to their phones. James is not invited to the next happy hour. One Sunday, James takes his daughter to the playground. The other parents sit on benches, absorbed in their phones. Be a monster, Daddy, Lucy orders. Instead of begging off as usual, James tries. Other kids join in, and soon he's chasing half a dozen shrieking preschoolers around the monkey bars. The other parents glance up, wry and distracted grins on their faces, before turning back to their phones. By the time Lucy's ready to go home, James is sweating, breathing hard, and happier than he's been in a long time. Finally, after an excessively long day at the office, James stands packed on a steamy metro train that's been jerking and shuddering forward a few feet at a time. The driver comes on the loudspeaker. We apologize for the inconvenience. We'll be moving momentarily. The human sardines all around James release a collective groan. They've been hearing that same meaningless platitude for a half hour. James imagines getting off at the next stop, if they ever arrive, and ordering a lift the rest of the way home. He imagines a cold shower and an even colder beer, he imagines removing a pen from his briefcase and jabbing it into the kidney of the dude in front of him, who keeps smacking him with his backpack every time the train moves. Desperate for distraction, James thinks of his phone. There, ignored in his pocket, he scans the crowd around him, as though he'll spot a Quitters.com spy in his midst. He wants something trashy, dirty, downright lewd. That's right. He wants slate. Specifically, the comments under some clickbait headline. 
I'm from Africa. Here's why you're more responsible for post-colonial misery if you're hetero. Or why shouldn't I presume all men are rapists? Or dear Prudy, help. I'm a transitioning demisexual vegan whose grandma once said something unkind about my partner's choice of earrings. His heartbeat and blood pressure rise. He licks his dry, salty lips. He knows it's a mistake, but the phone's out in his hands. His fingers type the long, neglected URL. He shouldn't do this. But it feels so good. There's no network. Fuck! He yells out loud. Everyone nearby turns to look while simultaneously shrinking away. Even Backpack Dude gives him a few inches. Someone mumbles, I hear you, cuz. Fuck Metro. As soon as James makes it back above ground, his phone rings. Hey, Mr. Ramsey. Sal's voice comes over the line. You fucked up. No. James says, uh, yeah, but there was no network. Fucking Metro, Sal commiserates, but doesn't matter. You had intent. No network, James yells into the phone. No network. Have a fun night, Mr. Ramsey, says Sal, and with a chuckle, clicks off. James rushes home to find Lucy sprawled on the couch. Her Kindle fire plays at ear-bleeding volume, needy Anna and repressed Elsa belting out their dueling perspectives on Coronation Day. Where's Mommy? he asks. Transfixed by her screen, Lucy ignores him. He finds Allie at the dining room table, literally pounding on her laptop keyboard. I've been hacked, she says. She's near tears. Look at this! She turns her computer toward him. On Facebook, I've liked a Breitbart piece about how Steve Bannon is sexier than Robert De Niro. On Twitter, I'm now following Roxanne Gay and responding to all her tweets with You Go Girl. On Amazon, I give 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson five stars and comment, This book convinced me to stop eating lobster. Take that, David Foster Wallace. I've already been defriended by 14 people. She turns to James in despair. It's all so dumb. And incoherent, James observes. But that's not all. She clears her throat and drops her voice. On Reddit, I'm seeking advice on how to deal with my husband James Ramsey's love of dressing in my lingerie. Oh, those fucking bastards, James bellows. Why, she demands. Why would this happen? Because of me, James says. Wait, do you wear my lingerie? She asks. He sighs. I have to tell you a story, Allie. When he's done, he says, You probably hate me, huh? She turns to him. No, I don't hate you. Honestly, things are so much better now that you're away from this crap. And it's all so stupid. Maybe I'll join you. Do you mean that? He asks. Yes. She kisses him. But one thing, James. Anything, he replies. If you ever try to wear my lingerie, you'll ruin it, and I'll kill you deader than this Sal guy could even dream of. Twelve months later, James's attention is drawn to someone halfway down the train car. It's a former co-worker he hasn't seen in a few years. Rob Logan? he asks. The guy looks up from his phone. Yeah? Rob looks terrible. Pudgy face, pale skin, shaky fingers. When it becomes evident Rob doesn't recognize him, he offers, It's James Ramsey from AAC. James? Rob attempts a smile, which comes across as a fatigued grimace. Wow, 
You look phenomenal. Hardly the same man. He squints suspiciously. Are you still at AAC? Yeah, James shrugs. Rob marvels. You look like you live in the gym. Nah, James demurs. I lost some weight and started working out, but nothing crazy. He chuckles. It's easier now that I've taken up cooking. You know, you can make a pretty healthy general sows at home. Rob says, You seem so happy. Serene. He looks back down at his phone, sighs. Are you sure you're still at AAC? James decides not to mention his recent promotion. It's probably the meditation, he says. Or maybe the books I've been reading have started to rub off on me. Books, Rob mutters, eyes already back on his phone. My wife and I discuss books all the time, James says. And I guess the yoga's doing me good, too. Or maybe it's the guitar. I didn't know you played the guitar, Rob says, thumbing enthusiastically. I took it up earlier this year, James says. You don't know what fun is until you do a Zeppelin sing-along with a four-year-old. Rob shakes his head. Where do you find the time? His phone buzzes, distracting him again. For any of it, he mumbles. I quit social media and stopped looking at online comments, James explains. Uh-huh, Rob responds. Then his brain belatedly processes the words. He looks up. Oh, you're a funny guy. I'm not joking, James says, then adds. You ought to try it. The train begins to slow. Well, this is my stop, he says. Gotta get to Krav Maga class. Great seeing you. Rob stares after him, shakes his head again, and returns to his phone. On the platform, there's another familiar face. Hey, James! Sal? James greets him with trepidation. You can relax, pal, Sal says. I'm not here about you. You're doing great. It's your buddy there. Rob? James asks. Yeah, we're on to him. He's getting pretty disaffected. He's a mess, James admits. It'd do him good to quit. Sal adopts his hostile expression. Oh, he'll quit. James hesitates before asking. So, listen, there are lots of people I'd know who'd benefit from dialing back their time online. How would I... I mean, is there a way I could... Sure, Sal says. We're quitters.com. Tell them to like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Pin us on Pinterest. Whatever the fuck it's called us on Instagram. James stares, open-mouthed. Sal laughs. Just kidding. Josh Trapani's day jobs have included stints at Washington, D.C. think tanks and associations, at USDA, and as a science fellow for a U.S. senator. He helped start the Washington Independent Review of Books and served as its first managing editor. Trained as a paleontologist, Josh's research applied quantitative methods to understanding morphological evolution, and he performed fieldwork in the U.S., Mexico, and Ethiopia. Josh has published a dozen peer-reviewed papers, as well as essays and opinion pieces in science policy venues and the New York Daily News op-ed page. His fiction and humor have appeared, or will soon appear, in The Big Jewel, The Dell Soul Review, Neutrons, Protons, and Issues in Science and Technology. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, as it helps us find a bigger audience. For more information on Brick Moon and special offers, sign up for the Brick Moon Fiction newsletter at brickmoonfiction.com. Thank you for listening.